0: Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here at this church. This is the day that the Lord has made and we're here to rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the first day of Lent. Traditionally, this is the beginning of a season of repentance, of of turning backward, metanoia, of turning back to the Lord who came to dwell among us. It is the beginning of a journey, a, a, a journey of preparation of thoughtfulness, prayer, contemplation from uh, today, from the first day of Lent all the way up until Easter. In the early days of the church, this season of Lent was used to help train new Christians for what it meant to be a disciple. They would go on a 40-day journey so that on Easter they could be baptized and incorporated into the life of the church. Today, Lent is still a season of of difference. It is a different time that makes a difference in our lives. Uh, it is marked by some people in different ways, different church communities. Traditionally, and we're going to talk about this a little during the service, uh, recently it's been, this service has been used as, as an Ash Wednesday service where ashes are taken. They're made from the palm branches from the previous Palm Sunday. Someone like me, the pastor, will smear the sign of the cross with ashes on foreheads and say, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Uh, This year, for two reasons, uh, we're not going to have an Ash Wednesday service, uh, partly because it's not safe to impose ashes. It requires people to be too close to each other. And also, we've had plenty of opportunities to reflect on our own finitude uh, and our own mortality this year with the pandemic. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be observing Lent. Uh, So we're going to look at it in just a second about what tonight is going to be and how it's going to be a little different from what we're used to in the past. I just want to share before we continue in our worship that there's an online bulletin for our service. You can access it through a link in the video description. There are going to be a lot of words I'm saying tonight. And if it's helpful for you to have those words up so that you can read them while I'm saying them, that might make a difference in how you feel during the service tonight. Uh, But it will include our prayers, scripture, and our hymns, some important information. So I commend that to you if that is at all helpful. Otherwise, this is Lent. This is a good and difficult and important time in our lives and in the life of the church. So I encourage you throughout this journey of Lent to be in prayer, prayer for yourself, your community, the world, that God might continue to use people like us to be the difference for others. So with that, I encourage you to just rest your eyes for a moment as we prepare our hearts and minds to worship on this, the first day of Lent.
1: Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful
0: face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Amen. As I remarked just a moment ago, the imposition of ashes, the the using of ashes to mark the signs of the cross, it's traditional in the Roman Catholic Church, and it's not without scriptural merit. Repenting in dust and ashes is something that happens in Scripture. It wasn't actually practiced in the United Methodist Church until the the late 1980s, and it wasn't endorsed by the Methodist Church until 1992. Similarly, it wasn't even really popular in the Episcopal Church until the late 20th century. Personally, the first time I ever participated in an Ash Wednesday service was uh, when I was in seminary, when I was learning how to be a pastor in the first place. Now, of course, in every year of my ministry until today, I've had an Ash Wednesday service, but there's something else we can do because during the time of John Wesley, the person who helped start found the movement that would become the United Methodist church, instead of starting Lent with Ash Wednesday, the church during his lifetime would have used a service from the book of common prayer entitled a service of Commination. Combination means like God's vengeance, divine vengeance. It's, it's a service that's quite literally focused on God's anger and judgment against sinners In other words, the church during the time of John Wesley, it initiated the Lenten journey, not with remembering that we are dust and to dust we shall return, but they would embark on this Lenten journey to the cross by recalling the reason for the cross in the first place. It's connected with what the Apostle Peter says in his epistle, for the time of judgment has come first with the household of God. So now, in the midst of a pandemic, when we can't safely impose ashes when we've all had plenty of opportunities to reflect on how life is a finite thing we have an opportunity to rediscover part of our our tradition part of our historic worship and to remember that our hope doesn't lie in outward public signs of pietism like having a cross on your forehead but in the living word of god which confesses to us that jesus christ has taken away from us the curse of the law as Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So tonight, I have taken the liturgy from the Book of Common Prayer from 1662 for that service of combination, and I have rewritten it so that it makes a little more sense in our own vernacular today. So that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to have a service of combination taken. It's adapted from the 1662 Book of Common Prayer. There's going to be prayer. Reflection, a hymn, a homily, kind of things that we're used to having in worship, uh, but this one is older than any of us by a long shot. So here we go. Friends, in the early church, there was a discipline that at the beginning of Lent, those who stood convicted of sins were called to repentance, that they might be saved in the day of the Lord, and that others, moved by their example, might be more afraid to sin in the first place. So it is good and right at this time to hear God's anger against sinners and for us to respond to such pronouncements by saying, Amen. The hope is that as we hear God's great indignation against sinners, even sinners such as ourselves, we may all be moved toward repentance. So let us pray. Woe to those who worship idols. And the church says, Amen. Woe to those who curse mother or father. Amen. Woe to those who abuse the stranger, the orphaned, and the widowed. Amen. Woe to those who speak ill of neighbor. Amen. Woe to those who put trust in themselves rather than the Lord. Amen. Woe to those who withhold the truth and those who wantonly lie. Amen. Woe to the unmerciful, the covetous, the slanderers, the extortioners. Amen. Woe to the sinners in need of grace. Amen. Now, seeing that we are all sinners, surely in need of grace, grace, that we all go astray from the commandments of God, let us now return to the Lord our God with contrition, with meekness of heart, lamenting of our sins, acknowledging and confessing our offenses, and seeking to bring true repentance. So during this time of silence, I encourage you, whether silently or aloud, wherever you may be, to confess your own sins, to to speak either in your heart or aloud the things that you have done that you shouldn't have, the things that you have left undone that you shouldn't have left undone. Take this time now to confess the condition of, Of your condition. See, now the axe is put to the root of the tree, so that every tree that does not bear fruit may be cast into the fire. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, who makes the rain to fall on the good and the wicked. For who will be able to stand on the day of the Lord? Remember, the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Let us not then abuse the goodness of God who calls us mercifully to transformation and promises to forgive us. Even though our sins are red as scarlet, God will wash them all away. Although we have sinned, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he comes to take away the power of sin and death For he was wounded for our offenses, killed for our wickedness. Let us then return to him, the merciful receiver of all sinners, knowing that he is ready to receive pardon and redeem. We do all this knowing that Christ has and will deliver us from the curse of the law and will command us to take possession of his glorious kingdom for no reason other than his infinite mercy." And all God's people say, Amen. Our scripture reading tonight comes from the book of Psalms. This is Psalm 51. Hear now God's holy word. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice, hide your face from my sins, blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. Sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give you a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, and then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn tonight comes from the United Methodist hymnal. Jesus, keep me near the cross. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in the online bulletin. But join me now over at the drums, and join me as I play and sing, Jesus, Keep Me Near the Cross.
1: Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all a healing stream rose from calvary's mountain in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river near the cross a trembling soul Love and mercy found me, there the bright and morning star sheds its beams around me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow me. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river. cross, I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting ever, till I reach the golden strand just beyond the river. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my raptured soul shall find rest beyond the river.
0: As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, amen, amen. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The hospital was eerily quiet as I made my late night rounds. I was in the midst of clinical pastoral education at Duke University Hospital Wilds and Seminary, And the sound of my shoes, it echoed across all the hallways as I peeked in on different patients, asking if any of them needed pastoral care. Most of them were asleep. And those who were awake, they waved me away with their television remotes as they sifted through the early morning infomercial marathons. And I felt in that moment that this might be one of those rare opportunities to crash on the bed in the dimly lit pastoral office, enjoy some blessed rest. But before I could turn to head in that direction, a message popped up on my beeper. Yes, we used beepers beckoning me to another part of the hospital. She sat up when I entered her room, old enough to be my great grandmother, and she gestured for me to come closer. So I reached for a nearby chair to pull it up next to her bed, but instead she took her wrinkled hand and patted right next to her side on top of the sheets. She explained that her eyesight and her her hearing were such that she needed me to be as close as possible, so I obliged. I sat down next to her on the bed, and she took my hand in hers, and she said, Father, I need to confess my sins. Well, I began, "I'm, I'm... I'm actually not a priest, and neither am I actually ordained. I'm basically a glorified intern. And she said, God loves to work through people like you. Will you hear my confession? I guess so. She said, I lied to the nursing staff this afternoon. They asked if I was comfortable, and I said yes, even though I feel terrible. They asked me if I liked the food here, and I said yes even though I wouldn't feed it to my dogs. And they asked if I needed anything, and I said no, even though, honestly, I need a miracle. So then we sat in silence for a moment, and she said, "Um, <clears throat> Aren't you supposed to say something? Uh, yes, yes, I muttered, uh, in, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thank you, she said. And as she replied, I saw the worry sort of leave her face completely. She said, I know God already forgives me, but sometimes it's just nice to hear somebody else say it. So I then prepared to get up off of her bed and go on with the rest of my routine, but she tightened her grip around my hand and she said, oh, now it's your turn. Uh, my, My turn to do what, I asked, and she said to confess your sins to me so i did Psalm 51 is read by the people of God to mark the beginning of Lent. It is as we call in the church a a penitential psalm that is it's a psalm that expresses sorrow for our sins. And yet Psalm 51 it does not begin as we might expect with a confession of sin. Rather, it begins with a request for forgiveness. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but it implies the psalmist knows that they have something worth confessing, that if the psalmist is to be helped at all, then the sins must be taken away completely, that the psalmist cannot do this on their own, and that the psalmist can ask for forgiveness, because the psalmist worships a God of mercy, now, that's astonishing. Think about it like this. In, in in so much of our lives, it kind of goes like we do something wrong or we avoid doing something we know we should do. And then for a while, we stew over what happened or didn't happen. We know we should probably admit what we did or didn't do, but it's terrifying. You know, what if we wronged someone and then we have to tell them the truth? And what if after we do that, they cut us out of their lives completely or 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 we wrestle with it because we don 't want to admit that we did or didn't do something because that 's not the kind of people we are, and then either we bite the bullet and confess, not knowing what at all could happen, or we keep it in our heart of hearts and it starts to seep throughout our being, and it does far more damage than the initial indiscretion but the psalmist the psalmist sees it differently. the psalmist here knows. That forgiveness has come even before the sin occurred. The psalmist worship a God whose mercy knows no bounds. The psalmist understands that God can redeem even the worst that we could do. For us, a people entering into the season of Lent, this is something we should keep at the forefront of our minds. We are justified not after we confess our sins but right smack dab in the middle of them at the right time christ died for the ungodly while we were sinners god proved god's love toward us there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus who by the way happen to be everyone since jesus has taken upon himself in everyone and everything in and on the cross the challenge then for us, isn't about whether or not God will forgive us for what we've done or left undone. The challenge is whether or not we have the constitution and the fortitude to confess the condition of our condition. Because even if we can summon the words of the psalmist, Lord, have mercy upon me, most of us go around convincing ourselves that we're, all things considered, pretty decent people. I mean, look at yourself, you're tuning in to a midweek first day of Lent service online, a service from 1662. You've got to be a pretty decent person. You know, sure, we know we're not perfect, but we're not like those other people, whoever they might be. We love to get on Facebook and Twitter, call out the specs in other people's eyes, all while ignoring the log in our own. That's why Lent is so important and so difficult. It's a time set apart to turn back to the Lord who came to dwell among us. It's a remarkable opportunity to reflect on what we're doing with our lives and how those lives resonate with the one who breathed life into us. But Lent, it's also a time for the truth, for honesty. Honesty about who we are, how we've fallen short, how we are are in need of grace. Judgment comes first to the household of God. As the disciple writes in an early epistle, we, the church, we don't exist to show the world how wrong it is and its trespasses, but to confess that we are first, that we ourselves are sinners in need of a Savior who can do more for us and with us than we could ever possibly do on our own. Lent is about confession, what we're doing tonight. It's not just an apology, it's not just about feeling bad about what we've done or left undone. It's about agreeing with God. It's about confessing that we are who God says we are. That we are dead in our sins. That we are dead in our trespasses. That we have no hope in the world of being anything else except dead. Except for the fact that God has come not to fix the fixable or teach the teachable, but to raise the dead. We can't fix ourselves. But that's actually good news. It's good news because nobody, not the devil, not the world, not even ourselves, can take us away from the love that refuses to let us go. Even the worst stinker in the world is someone for whom Christ died. In the end, the kingdom of heaven is populated entirely and only by forgiven sinners. Hell is just thinking that we need none of that forgiveness. So hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. In the midst of the worst thing we've ever done, Christ chooses to die for us in order to redeem us, to raise us from our death in sin. This is good news. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You are forgiven. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, hear our prayer. Cleanse us of our sins yet again. Mercifully forgive us our trespasses. Receive and comfort us who are grieved under the burden of what we've done and by what we've left undone for you are the one of mercy Lord so spare us spare your people whom you have redeemed turn your anger from us as we confess the condition of our condition and help us so to love you and our neighbors with all of our heart soul mind and strength and now Lord continue to have mercy upon us as we pray the words you taught us saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Go forth now with this blessing and benediction. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace.